Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on. Welcome the to the Lo-Fi Top Five this week. Hi, Jer. Hey, JT. How you doing? You know what? I'm feeling alive and well. That's good. That's good because you know we would hate for this to be a time when you weren't feeling well. I don't want to make morbid jokes, my friend. No, we're, we're having we have we don't have a really a morbid topic because we're actually going to celebrate life. That's exactly right. That's right. This week on the Lo-Fi Top Five, we are celebrating the final appearance. So the top five final appearances of actors in film. Correct. And as defined, we're ruling out cameos, voice acting, bit parts. Like if someone's last, last, last thing was one quickie on-screen cameo. We're 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 not we're we're talking their performance. That's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> you know, that's until the one pick or or so, several that break that rule. But I have a hunch we'll be doing such rule breaking. I don't know. We'll see. Well, how how was it putting your list together this week? Oh, it was awful because <laughs> <laughs> and I blame you fully. Um but mostly because the re- realization that a lot of the people I really liked, whether they died too young or had phenomenally long careers, their last things weren't always their best things. Even even performance I remembered. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an ex- a great example, and, and maybe you have seen it. Sorry, there's another caveat. I hadn't seen a lot of them, so yeah. I don't necessarily want to bring up actually one because if you saw his last movie, I'm sure he's on your list because he would have been on mine. I had a lot of those like, oh, I thought their last thing was X. And actually it was X plus two, which equaled about a 41 on Metacritic. So <laughs> solve for X, JT. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had a very similar. Well, so it's funny. We talked earlier in the week and you were kind of like on the struggle bus. And I wasn't on the struggle bus in the sense that I was like, I can put a list together. They're not going to be – a lot of these people are not people that I think I would ever talk about in any other context. And a lot of the movies are not movies that I think I would talk about in other contexts, to be honest. But for me, a lot of it was kind of like I really leaned into the performance of like was it a good performance regardless of whether it was a good movie? And do I feel – again, it's the best final performances. So I'm rating it against the other final performances that I researched and a lot of them – I either hadn't seen or weren't very good. So even ones that I don't necessarily think are like a standout for a particular actor that I really like think is wonderful. If it was better than all the other stuff I found, oh, well, <laughs> you're on the list. That's, that, that's, uh, that's consistent. That's consistent, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so this week, JT, now... You know, I, I, this is one of those episodes, by the way, I don't think your millennialness and my Gen Xiness is really going to play too much. Although I definitely have a couple of picks that I don't know how much they'll be on your radar. So I, I feel like I got that in my back pocket. That's good. Do you have a category definer, as we call the Shawshank? Uh, I do. And we're going to start the mild rule breaking right out of the gate. But yes, I do. You're starting by breaking the rules. That's the first thing you're going to do right now. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, sir. That's correct. Hmm. Okay, you uh, you are first this week, so why not? Let's go. So wait, does that mean that you don't have one? Oh, no, I got one. Oh. I got one. Okay. I got one. So mine, uh, the performance was from July 18th, 2008. Uh, I'm not going to get, well, the Metacritic, I do have the Metacritic. It was 84. My five words were Imaginarium was unfinished work. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about. This would be, yeah, so, so this would be someone where I thought a certain bat-like appearance would have been his, you know, most applauded and final role, but upon Googling, it was not. Right. So this is Heath Ledger and Imaginarium, Symposium, something, something, lots of words, whatever, is technically his last work. However, uh, he unfortunately passed away before that work, before he finished his role there. And so they had to kind of craft around that. And so I decided to use that as an as an exit to say, well, he didn't actually finish that work, so it doesn't count. So really, the last movie that he finished and wrapped was The Dark Knight, which obviously I think would be everybody's Shawshank. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a small cheat, and it's funny because I had the same thought. Like when we first wrote it down, instantly, oh, well, the winner today will be Heath Ledger. And then when when looking him up, and and when you brought it up, I remembered, like, oh yeah, he did that. He they had to find like body doubles or, a whole or sibling or something. Yeah, there was. Yeah. So good job, cheating before we even really get into it. Hey, it's on. It's on brand. But it's cool because I'm going to cheat right back, buddy. I knew it. All right, go ahead. So I, I'm actually declaring a special little Shawshank moment for this category. I'm Ooh. actually, I, I don't really know. I would have given it a new name if I could come up with one. Maybe this will then spawn a new name. Because in my opinion, uh, this actor's actual final performance was not my favorite of the ones he's done. Okay. But what's special about this actor, and this will be a little clue. Let's see. I'm giving you a clue. This is a mild game. Forget the movie in particular, although it was came out in the late 70s. Okay. This actor actually only has five acting credits to his name. Whoa. Now, what's fascinating about those credits, sir, is he is the only actor that every one of those movies was uh, up for Best Picture. Holy mackerel. So he was in five movies starting in the somewhere in the 70s, and all of them were up for best picture. This is a really fun trivia question. I don't know. His name is John Cazali or Cazali. Oh, he was in um I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. He's Fredo, as he's most well known for. And that so that's that's really the one. He was also in the conversation. Mm-hmm. He was also in um, Dog Day Afternoon, and his final performance was Deer Hunter. So he's no slouch. Yeah. But Deer Hunter is not my favorite of his performances. So that's why I call it a cheat. But you see why it's like a special thing? Like the Kazali, like five for five. Like, like there's no, there's nothing like that. Yeah, so so as we've talked about in the podcast before, occasionally when I'm done with my list, I will then try to see if I can find somebody who put a list together about or around the list that we did. And his name came up on the two lists that I found. And they very, very high. And I don't remember Deer Hunter enough to talk about it. So I was like, okay, I respect that that's probably right. And I definitely know him. But I don't, like, I couldn't wax poetic about that for more than like, I remember thinking it was pretty good. Like, that's about as far as I can go. To be honest, I can't go that much farther, and that's why it's off in the Shawshank. Hey, thank God for our rules that we break. (laughs) Well, let's move on into our actual top five. So you are first this week. You'll take your clues and give some guesses. And I'm going, by the way, I'm going to go on record right now of our top five and our Pong. I predict we have no less than four entries in common, as many as six. Mm. I'm going that high. So if, if you set the line at four, I think I go under. Or no, if you set the line at four, I go over. Six starts to get tough. Six could be a push. We'll see. All right, so my first actor, the movie that he was in, uh, is from 1976. Oh, I didn't think about this. Are we giving other actors from those films? I didn't even think about that. So what I prepared this week is the the year of the the year of the movie in question. Two other two other actors from that movie. But my five words are all over the map around types of clues. They're all trying to get you there. Got it. So. All right, so I'll give you – all right, so this is uh, from 1976. Uh, It's a 57. I'll give you – oh, boy. Um, Ned Beatty and John Carpenter. Wow, 76 John Carpenter. Yeah. So what – is that Escape from New York? No, that's 80s, and it's before The Thing. Yep. Uh, what did he do in 76? Did he do Halloween? And is uh, this Halloween? It's not Halloween. Okay. So I, I, I'm going to need your five words. All right. So my five words, I'm trying to orient you on the name of the person, not the movie. Okay. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, an apostle, a small bird. A small bird. Sparrow, canary. Smaller. Uh, smaller. Finch? Atticus Finch? No. No. Wait, wait, uh, no. Uh, do you not know Finch? who this is? No, I probably do, and now I'm just being weird, weirdly blanking. 
Who are, who are you talking about? So this is Peter Finch from Network. Oh, good pick. So this is when when good when because you actually came up with this category ages ago. Like we have a list of categories that we call right. through once in a while. When you first came up with this, I only know Peter Finch as his final performance, and he in is in Network. And and I would argue that at least in the moment in time, I can't think of a more iconic, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I mean, that's like such a like really intense moment in cinema. Dude, I just want to now go actually listen to the original and see how close that was. Because that sounded really, really, that sounded really good. I feel, pre- I, I feel pretty good about that. that. I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> as, as well you should. No, this is a great pick. I'm, I'm looking at my list. I, I'm going to go out right now and say I think this is probably the best performance of the entire list. Oh wow! Like it's not in mine. I think, I mean, it's such a fu- it's such an iconic performance. Yeah, right? I, this was this. So there was two that were kind of like cheat codes for me, not including Sir Heath Ledger. Um, Peter Finch was the number one. Like I know some of his other stuff. Like he did Sunday Bloody Sunday, which I've seen. I think I've seen like one other thing that he did, but like for the most part, like I think of this. I think of Network, and I think of him, and I think of that whatever I don't know three to five minute clip when they go to the, you know, like they're zooming out on the apartments and everybody's screaming out the window and it's him like talking to camera. Like, it's just so intense. It's such a good, it's such a good performance. And to find out that that was like his last performance, you know, I just think he, like if I wasn't sneaking Heath Ledger in, I think this is probably pretty close to Shawshankable. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement in every way. For this category, it's, it's a great pick. Hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that network in, I'm going to go like 15 ish years, 10, 15 years, but he's the part I remember the most. So I don't know how you can dispute that one. Yeah. It's funny. So I watched network a couple years ago, like by myself, like it was one of those, like everybody in the, everybody's asleep in the house. And I'm like, I haven't seen this in a while. And I forgot like the, the intensity of the political commentary of it that like plays way almost better now (laughs) than it did then. When you think about like how reality TV has kind of come to light and like how willing we are to just like completely subvert and like, and ignore the fact that we're destroying people's lives for good, for good television. Like it really, I remember kind of like sitting back going, Whoa, this movie was like way ahead of its time in what they're trying to say here. Between this and Wag the Dog, Oof. you know, you've got some pretty, pretty on the nose things. And at least one in four of our major news networks certainly would fit the bill. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think it's more than one, but yeah. <laughs> there's just one in particular. Yeah, yeah, there's one that definitely would. <laughs> sort of stands out a little with how, how fair and, you know, balanced they are. Anyhow, anyhow. Let's go on to, I believe we are going to share this one, which is why I want to get it out of the way. 2010. Sure. With Titus Welliver and Blake Lively. Oh, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. I know you do because I know you do. I maybe don't know the these two people are in this movie. Um, but the uh, the quote I'll give you is actually from the actor in a different movie but it's an iconic quote of his that might be very recognizable. Okay. Thought music mattered, does bollocks. Thought music mattered, does bollocks. Not exactly a quote, but I think you recognize that from a song, actually. That's from, that opens a song that I often use in a random quote for no reason. It's about whiskey drinks and such. Takes a whiskey drink, he takes a vodka drink. Not that song. That song. That song opens we'll be with a quote. Singing. Before that, there's an, if you go put it on your Spotify, which I know you'll do the second we're off, or even pause the recording. <laughs> he goes, "I thought music mattered. Does it bollocks?" And then it goes, "We'll be singing." And then right, it goes yeah, the yeah. So the only so the only thing that I can orient on is the time. That's the clue's not helping. Although, uh, shout out to Chumbawamba. Um, is I, I'm feeling like this has to be so Blake Lively was in the town in 2010. It was early in her career. This has to be Pete Postlewaite. But I thought we decided that that wasn't his final performance. No, I thought we decided we could put it in. 
Oh, well then, I yeah, we, we should have shared this then. I didn't pay attention to us. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, we said he was allowable. That was the skirting the rules because that last performance was like this like little cameo role. He's on screen mm, for four seconds. Great. Yeah, the, we love Pete Postlethwaite. This is great. So Pete Postlethwaite, uh, the movie's The Town. He's the sort of kingpin slash flower dealer. Yeah. Right? He he is the the effectively the kingpin of one of the families or crime syndicates or whatever it is, right? Oh yeah, he he's the big guy. Yeah. He's the head guy. Yeah, he's the head guy. He, interestingly, the role he had just before this was the dying father of Inception. Yeah. And my favorite performance of his is actually The Usual Suspects. Oh, for sure. Great. But the quote I gave you, that quote which I know you're going to go check out is from a movie called Brassed Off. Have you ever seen that? No. It's uh, it was an indie film out of out of England. It was with him, Ewan McGregor, oh, couple of, yeah, couple others. It came out around the same time as like Waking Ned Divine. Oh, said that one. I love that movie. Like there were a few other indie films. There was the one I can't remember what it's called offhand. It's the, where the the mining town and they become strippers. Uh, oh, um, the Full Monty. The Full Monty, thank you. Yeah, so so these three movies all came out within a few months of each other, and there was like this weird little British indie film scene. So Pete Postlethwaite plays the band leader of this band in this mining town that's you know basically just dying thanks to Thatcher Thatcherism in the eighties, and he's a delightful performance. It absolutely cemented him in my heart as like I love this guy. Which is funny because almost every other role I've seen him in, he gets a little vicious. Taking us back to the town where he's out of control good. Like, I don't know how old he is. He's clearly ill because he dies not too much later. But he, the way he plays that flower, the, the, I keep thinking of him as a flower merchant. The yeah. way he plays this, he's got this menacingness to him. And he looks like he can't weigh more than like 95 pounds at this point in his life. But I, you watch him and you're like, I will not mess with this guy. I like somehow this guy will take me down. Yeah. What I loved about him in this role is how little screen time he has and how much impact he has. Like I, he is a quintessential figure in that movie. Like if you told me to like kind of break down like who I like performances, I remember like he's below Affleck, but maybe about on par with Renner, who I also thought was really good. But like his the the four minutes of screen time he has, whoo boy, he's bringing it. He's bringing it, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's not a cameo, right? He's no, a no, key it, part it's of huge. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he's like uh, Anthony Hopkins in uh, Silence of the Lambs. He's only on screen for like sixteen minutes, apparently. You yep. know, wins the wins the Academy Award, but only on screen for sixteen minutes. I think this is a not quite a comparable performance because that was just insanely good. Yeah. But it's up there. Love the Pete. Great pick. It's a great pick. That's that's two Pete's in a row. I don't know what to say to that. That's, we're all that's... we're all in on Pete's. <laughs> you, you know what that is? You know you know what that is? You know what they call that? What? A repeat. Well, I, I, I want a three Pete so bad right now, but I don't have one. <laughs> all right, you're up. All right. Uh let's go to I'm gonna go with this one. So this movie came out on May 16th of 2016. Uh, it's a it's a, a very solid 72. I actually think an underrated 72. I think it might be even better than that. Uh, mm. Let's give you Bruce Greenwood and Peter Weller. Peter Weller. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Peter Weller... <laughs> Am I thinking of the guy who's the voice of Optimus Prime? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you are. Yep. And I'm just going to hope this is not one of the Transformers movies. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to need your five words then. Okay. Uh, Big Bang Nerd. Kind of Dalt. Kind of Dalt? Dalt, yeah. Like, like a dummy kind of thing? Yep. Big Bang Nerd. So the only one I know from that show is Sheldon? Nope. Is he another character? He's a character from that show. Mm, There's Sheldon. There's the blonde girl. (laughs) 
There's the <laughs> two nerdy looking guys, and then there's the short, chubby looking nerdy guy. Sure. Um, Jugdash? No. No. So this, I'll, I'll, I'll just give it to you. This is uh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, from Star Trek Into Darkness. And he was Star Trek Into Darkness. And yeah. I I love – so here's, here's the thing. I didn't know how much work he had done not Star Trek related. Like he's just, he's just Spock like to me. Like he's nobody but Spock. Right. And so I went thinking, I'm like, you know what? Like I, was, I, I put a little side list together. I'm like, who are people that I think went out with their best character? Right. And I was like, okay, it wasn't a super long list. There's a couple people where I was like, oh, I wish he hadn't, you know, whatever. He is one where it's like, aside from the fact that the scene he's in in this movie bothers me to no end, (laughs) just about why he's where he is and how it all worked out that he was on the same planet. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that I, if I'm remembering, like, there was a level of hink that I wasn't a huge fan of. Well, you're bringing up Into Darkness. I don't recall. This is actually why he saw my, he was on my radar and I took him off because in the J.J. Abrams original Star Trek reboot, for, fully agree. He's hinky on this frozen planet. You right. know, young Kirk just shows up. It's weird. But I don't remember Into Darkness well enough because I just didn't like it as much. Oh, um, fair, fair. Oh, I think we've I, talked uh, about this before that I actually, per- I not prefer the second one, but I, I like the second one quite a bit. Which is fine. It's, it, I mean, it's good. I just, I, the, for me, the first one was like, whoa. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So anyway, back to our friend Leonard. So I just think it's really poetic going out the way that he did. And I, and I think Abrams and this franchise and the reboot of this franchise was so in vain of like was so in the original intention of what Star Trek was supposed to be. And I also think there's something really beautiful, like, torch passy happening because quinto is so good and their interaction in this movie was really good and it felt like closing a, a book to me like right. there was something really pretty about the fact that like other than doing i think he has one family guy voicing thing that he did which is also like kind of fun to show you who he was as a human but like for that to be his last thing where he went out as spock talking to little spock about spock stuff it just feels really good. <laughs> like it feels like a beautiful close to a beautiful story that I'm totally here for. And I think the reboot of this of this movie of this franchise and these two movies are actually really great and fun to watch. If it's it's really funny because A, I agree with everything you said, and B, I started when I was first doing the list of keeping the track of people where I thought their second to last movie was the bomb, but their actual last one was not. And I liked Heath Ledger, and then I had Nimoy. And I ended up just not continuing because it was just too much work. But I love the pick. Agree on on every count. Love love the Nimoy in here. Nice job. Thanks. And then it also gives me an excuse. Uh, well, actually, no. I'm not going to do that just in case you have seen movies that I haven't. Never mind. Keep going. Okay. First one that was my... Like my... Oh, this has got to be right. And I was so glad when I Googled and found out that I was correct. 1973. Okay. Tough on the cast here because you either, it's like a dead giveaway or not at all, but Bolo Young and Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. Yep. Is it the, it's not the Jim Kelly I'm thinking of. I believe it is. Okay. Keep going. Had very angry clenched hand. Had very angry, clenched hand. This is a re- this is this is a clue in your your style, but referencing a different movie of his. So I don't have anybody else from the seventies. So this is going to be like full blown guessing. Clenched hand. Yeah, clenched hand. So this is me. I'm going to make a guess based on just based on the Bolo Young clue. I'm going to make a guess that this is Bruce Lee. It is Bruce Lee from Enter the Dragon. My clue is for Fists of Fury. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. The second to last movie? Yeah. Have you seen Enter the Dragon's first important question? So I have, but I've seen it exactly once and couldn't tell you a thing about it. So I, I also have only seen it once, but it was recently enough, maybe again, also that eight to 10 years ago. And I found that when I picked some of these movies that were these 
classics, but not necessarily like an AFI top 100 kind of classic, but just these more of iconic kind of movies. And I've watched them older in life. They stand out way more this way than, than when I, than the ones I saw too young, etc. I saw into the dragon and basically was like, Bruce Lee should have been, should have been in a thousand movies. You know, you read more and more about him and he just seems like this absolutely amazing person. Uh, clearly stolen too so, too soon and enter the dragon it's just like him personified it shows all of his attributes his his wisdom his teaching his amazing skill uh you know he's got the the patience and the anger all at the same time like super i would say it's super zen but that's just not the right kind of thing to say and it's a really fun movie to watch it's just i mean bolo's great He's great. Did you ever did you ever see Bloodsport? So the movie. He's the reason I know who he is is because of Bloodsport. Okay, I love Bloodsport. Because Bloodsport was one of those eighties cable TV on all the time kind of. It's so good. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I would recommend giving it a rewatch because okay. it's worth it. And uh, pour one out for Bruce Lee. All right, I'm in. I'm totally here for this. Uh, all right, my next one. Let's go. Which way do I want to go here? Um, yeah, whatever. This is, this is the obvious one. April 3rd, 2015. It's a 67 on the old Metacritic. Um, well, that's the hard part. Um, I don't know if I can name any, like genuinely, if I name any of these people, it's kind of a dead giveaway, but I think this is going to be a dead giveaway anyway. Um, how about... Luke Evans and Paul Walker. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, what did I write here? I wrote down, uh, don't remember which number, but JT's got Paul Walker in here. Yeah. Is it seven? It's seven. It's Furious 7. So I actually had somebody that I wanted to put on the list instead of him. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to – sort of talk about my list in its entirety for a second where it's really skews very male heavy. And I, it was sort of a thing that I became aware of where I was like, I only have like three female candidates on here and I don't feel great about that, but I don't know why it's just like, I don't know if that there just wasn't enough representation or that like they basically fire women at it for a long time in Hollywood at a certain point and they don't get to do good movies anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know, but I like wrote the list. That? Yeah. I wrote the list, realized how male dominant it was thought about my favorite actresses. So I know passed away, went back and looked at their like final movies and went, Hey, I haven't yeah. seen any of them. Like I just haven't seen any of them. Cause if it's not the past, <clears throat> if it's not the past like 15 years and maybe even like 10 years, right. Then if you're an old woman on Hollywood, you either get to play a grandmother or a spinster and that and, and and you will play so morosely and sadly, you will not have range. You are just a piece of furniture. And that's how Hollywood treated women. You yeah. know? So you're right. I went looking up all of them. I looked up from from uh, Joan Crawford to uh, to Judy Carland to Vivian Lee. I went looking at all of them. Grace Kelly, um, uh, Bacall. Uh, and, and they all basically end up with like a couple of these rules and they're, they're not good. It's not like they didn't have the ability to be good. I'm sure they would have been great. Jessica Tandy almost because she had some fun movies in like the late eighties, but her last couple weren't like she did too many movies after cocoon. Yeah. Like I was looking, so there's a couple of younger ones that I might get to in Pong, but I was looking at like Gilda Radner and Clarence Leishman and just like all these people that I'm like, you had to, but like, they just, they, they didn't get good roles. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, unless they wrote it. So anyway, all of that to say Paul Walker. So Paul Walker snuck out of the one that I wanted to do here, not just for female representation, but because I absolutely adore her. However, the last, she was in a couple really good movies. Not really good. She was in a couple like passable movies, and she was great in them. The last one she did was a dumpster fire. And so Paul Walker got the nod because as the podcast millennial, the answer is Paul Walker. <laughs> yeah. You had to, by contract with the millennial genre, uh, 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 Gene Poole, you, you were required. Yes. Like- 
Yeah. I would have gotten so. my beard oil and my scarves taken away had I not done this. So here we are. Well, it's funny because you did Paul Walker. I really wanted to do River Phoenix. And River Phoenix had like three last rolls that are just meh. Right. No, thank you. Which is such a yeah. bummer because he was he was great. There was another one, like Jonathan Brandis was the same thing for me with River Phoenix, where I was like, dude, I would have loved to use him, but like his last couple roles were like real sad. And which sucks because he was like super talented. <laughs> yeah. I also looked up uh Yelchin, nothing great near the So like- he's who I was just gonna say. So he's the one that I said I wanted to do a shout out because he's in Into Darkness. And like I adored that kid. I loved that kid. He was so good. Was but great. his last like three movies were like direct to VHS. Like I just have never even heard of them. So I was right. like, I can't I can't speak on these. So do we want to actually dive into the performance in Furious 7 and the, nah, we're good. I think we're probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will take us back to 1994. Okay. I don't think the cast will help, but I'll give you Ernie Hudson and Tony Todd. Okay. I know I love Ernie Hudson. I have no idea who Tony Todd is. Tony Todd's the candy man. Oh, okay. Cool. He was in The Rock. He, he's uh, in The Rock. I was going to say he's in The Rock. That's the only other person I know. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So the five words I will give you is son accidentally followed father's footsteps. This is Brandon Lee from The Crow. It is. Sure. I had these as back-to-back entries. If I'm going to do Bruce, I'm going to do Brandon. First of all, this is that it wasn't actually his only performance. He did do some other little things before this, Mm -hmm. but this performance was actually amazing. I agree. Like he's great in this. It evoked images of his father, but also of a different generation of type of actor. I think I'll go with statements like this. Brandon Lee would probably have been John Wick. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. That's great. That's a great comp. Oh, I actually love that comp. Right? Like, that's who you would have picked. He would have been in so many things. Such good timing for a a young Asian actor entering Hollywood. Like, the the mid-90s is when... Again, to our point about women, to our point about Asian actors, that's when like they started getting roles, and it wasn't just you're the ninja, you know. Right. So right. it's true. I mean, that's unfortunate. That's welcome to the '80s, you know. So Brandon Lee's passing was so sad. It was so vivid too. You were a young kid, but this was this was like when I was in college. This everybody knew about this. You know, The Crow was this sort of cult, sort of mainstream movie. Uh, it's weird. Like it, it's a weirdly dark movie at a time when there weren't a lot of like dark. They, there's not a lot of like this is a this is a movie that could have come out in the 2000s easily, right? It's got that. Um, I'd almost comp it to movies like Scott Pilgrim in a way of like yeah these the renaissance of different types of comic book movies, right? Because The Crow, it's no Marvel movie, right? It's its own dark broodiness, it's way darker. Yeah, yeah. It almost, you know, it's almost a weird version of like Leon, the professional. Yeah, sure. That's actually, yeah, I like that. You know, and Brandon's great in it. He's got character. He's got depth. He kicks butt. He's fun to watch. Like, he, you know what? He could have ended up as a Joker also. I could have seen him do Ledger style performance. Like, he had those kind of chops in him. So this episode's turning out a little, little sad, a little melancholy, a little melancholy here, JT. A little yeah. melancholy. Melanch- can't even say the word. Yeah, I Don't think is not a word. Well, it is now. I uh, I think we kind of knew we, we had to get here. What, is that when you're sad and arrogant at the same time? <laughs> oh, he's, he's he's been a little melancholy over there. Yeah, I like it. It definitely it's a word now on the lo-fi top five. I like it. Uh, so this is a pick that we we won't share because I have this in my top six, and I had this as though I'm pretty sure Jeremy will pick this because. I remember the crow being a big deal as a, like a nine year old and remember it still being a big deal as like a 13 year old. It didn't mean as much to me, but like I, I have seen this in the past 10 ish years and remember thinking, I listen, I remember seeing it since the Marvel revolution started. And I remember watching going, Oh man, he would have been a really interesting villain. Yeah. Like yeah. he would have been he, such a good, like Ronan maybe. I don't know. Like he just would have been no, an interesting he, somebody. He would have been, although I would never replace Tony Lung after seeing what he did, but he would have been the dad in Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally sure. good. Yeah. All right. So since you did that, I will pick this one. Actually, no, I'll, I'll use my last one last because it's the one I want to talk about the least. Uh, so this one's going to be, uh, I'm going to give you, it's a little bit of a misdirection, but that's okay. June 9th, 2006. Uh, it's a 73. 
Let's see. If I gave you anybody else in this movie, <laughs> this is so dumb. I should really just be, I'm not trying to trick you. I promise I'm not trying to trick you. Okay. But I'm like kind of tricking you. Um, I'll give you Tony Shalhoub and Cheech Marin. <laughs> oh, that's not what I thought you were doing here. Tony Shalhoub and Cheech. So I know what you're doing in that like, this is one of those, like it's not Cheech Cheech. It's like grown up Cheech doing like a different kind of role. Right. 2006, and this is way post like a tin cup. Give me your five words, please. Uh, so again, trying to orient you on the the actual person. God, that's good salsa. God, that's good. Okay, so my hunch is you're, this is, if, if my notes are correct, again, under the JT will pick this. But I don't know the year because, I, I again, I'm trying to really not give myself clues. But I am I right? that th- Is there any chance this is Cars and Paul Newman? <laughs> yes. So I have this down. Not only will you pick this, but there's another person whose last role this was as well. Do you know that? Oh, I don't think I did know that. No. Who, who if else? We're, if we're playing by our little made-up category right now, uh, it's also George Carlin's last real performance. So, so I didn't know that, but that's interesting. So the reason I yeah. actually picked Paul Newman is because I also would argue that Road to Perdition, which is actually his last real fil- feature film, is also an incredible piece of work from him. So I'm giving you cars because I think there's a backup that allows me to say, even if I'm not cheating, Paul Newman was pretty Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. <laughs> yeah, Paul Newman's an actor, by the way, starts to finish very few bad roles. Unbe- very few. Unbelievably few. Like I went through his, going through his IMDb, you just sort of realize you're just like, oh, like he was around forever. His first role was in 1949. And his last role is in 2008, technically, because he was the voice of a meerkat. But if you go all the way to like 2006 and like, you know, of, of the stuff I've seen in there, I mean, I, not a lot of misses, if any. Really, really, really good. Like really good. And Road to Perdition is a I don't think it's like an, a, an amazing movie. Like it's, it's, it's like a 70 something, I think, on Metacritic. And it probably belongs somewhere in there. It's a very, very, very good movie. Um, and I thought he was great in it. And Paul Newman is Paul Newman. Like he's, you know, he's Paul Newman, man. Like just dope, like start to finish got older, like aged into that kind of acting and was, I mean, he's just, he's great. Paul Newman's great. And he makes a a heck of a good salsa. (laughs) I I thought you would go with the salad dressing. No, I'm a a salsa guy. By the way, and just trying to pull up a a very fast scan and a quick sort on IMDb, of his 83 titles, he has one, two, three, four, eight under a 6.0 average, which IMDb is harsh. Like, that's hard. Yeah. 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 He's he's really good. (laughs) I wonder if there was, like, a thing where, like, actors with greater than, let's say, 60 roles – I would I would wager right now that he might have the highest average IMDb score. I can't speak to all the other things. That would be a hunch. I would bet he's top five. There's a couple other people that kind of jumped to my like like who are not deceased, but like Jack Nick. Like you know, I bet Jack is pretty high up there. Yeah, I agree, Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, but not a lot, not a lot after that. Not Hoffman, I got to think about that. Hoffman maybe. I think Hoffman's done a lot of garbagey stuff that we haven't seen. I, I think I think Hoffman took some stuff maybe that that he went. Plus, he was in Ishtar, which is an immediate. Ooh, that's right. I forgot about Ishtar. Immediate yeah. red flag. Yeah, because like both like yeah like De Niro no, like you know both De Niro and Pacino have done some dumb stuff. Anyway, yeah, Paul Newman's great. That that's an interesting list. We should probably do that at some point. That's fun. There's something about that. Yeah. And definitely on the salsa. But I I had this so good. I, I had you down for this one. So now for now for a movie that is somehow made it, will be making its appearance on our list. Actually, this actor, it will be the second time he'll be named. Uh, my, my sort of weird statement is, and has absolutely no belonging in lists of anything whatsoever, but hits this category just on the nose. Okay. 1987. Okay. With Yafit Kodo and Jim Brown. 
Yafik Kodo was uh, FBI agent Mosley from uh, Midnight Run, and he was also in one of the Bond films. You would recognize him in an instant. Okay. Um, I believe you. Uh, so Yafik Kodo and Jim Brown. I mean, I know and yes, Jim that Jim Brown. That sure. Jim Brown. Sure. My five-word clue is top answer on the board. Top answer on the board. I mean, I guess I could. Well, I couldn't add another net word, but a top five answer on the board would have been even better. Well, Alex Trebek is not an actor, and that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That wasn't an Alex Trebek quote, so it's not him. Top five answer on the board. I mean, I genuinely have no idea what this is at all. Show me Richard Dawson from The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So Richard Dawson was the host of Family Feud in the 70s and into the early 80s. Oh, right. Family Feud. Now, I, now, I, now I'm oriented. Okay, got it. That guy. He originated sure. the, you know, the board thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did this movie, The Running Man, which I've brought up before. In fact, he was on my list of top five non-actors in an acting role because you know what? He did a good job in this role. He did such a good job in this role that he should have been more villains in more movies because he he aced it. Okay. It's like the the non-actor acting and all of a sudden everybody's watching and be like, I kind of like that guy. I mean, you hated him because he was an evil character. But he was a very convincing, very good evil character. Okay. And he he played the game show host really well because I'm sure he channeled his you know decade or whatever he did hosting Family Feud. But he was really fun in the, in, in the Running Man, which I still think you need to watch again, and then we can all forget about or or not because <laughs> you know Arnie stuff, Arnie stuff. I gotta watch it again. I thought I saw this one about ten years ago and really liked it, so I want to do that one more time. I'll watch it with you, buddy. Okay, I'll watch it with you. Good pick. Thanks. I, Thanks. Saw, I definitely didn't see it coming, which makes it that's uh, it's always my favorite part is when you come up with something that I didn't see coming. Huzzah! All right. Uh, this movie came out on May 5th of 2000. Uh, it's a 67. Who cares? Uh, I'll give you... Uh, it's tough. Let's give you David Schofield and Jimon Hansuo. Is, uh, I think it's Hansu. Hansu, um, thank you. Is, uh, is Schofield the pepper guy? Yes. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, five or 2000. Oh, this is this. I, I think you're talking. Of, okay. I'm going to tell you what I think you're talking about from a note I have here. I think you're talking about Richard Harris and gladiator. No, you're talking about the other guy in gladiator. You're talking. Oh, I know. Who, uh, um, oh, you love this guy. Oh, this is annoying. I can help you with the five words. Just the five words. Oh, yeah. Let's have your five words. Okay. My five words are orphan boy saxophone part. Uh Oh, Oliver Reed. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because it's funny because I was going to correct you on the thing with Richard Harris because he actually does something after this. I know. Which I also (laughs) think is on your list. Um Oh, no. Oh, right. That's not your stuff. That's not your gig. That's, That's not right. your jam. That's right. Oliver Reed and Gladiator. Good pick, buddy. I didn't, This did not cross my radar. Well done. So, first of all, we've talked about it on the podcast how much I love this movie. Um, I don't think it's, like, criminally underrated, but I do think it's underrated. I think of all the, like, really big, epic-y, stupid Ridley Scott things, this is probably among the best. Uh, I think Oliver Reed, to me, is a fascinating story. This guy's got 122 acting credits. He has done so many movies, always kind of like secondary third parts. Like that's always what he's doing. And in Gladiator, like he got to do a, like, you know, he's Proximo. Like it's a really important role. Again, not an enormous amount of screen time, but super, super impactful and meaningful. And he crushed it. And he's on scene with, you know, like, He's literally sharing the screen with Russell Crowe, like at peak Russell Crowe. Like this is the best Russell Crowe's ever Russell Crowed. And he's hang- <laughs> he's not just hanging with him. Like I would argue he's winning. He's at least leveling him at, at minimum. Oh, for, 
Absolutely. He, he, he in many ways like holds this movie together. Yeah. Like he really is. He's like a huge component, not just to the story, but also like the way that he portrays Proximo is a really, it's a really compelling piece of acting in a, in a movie that had a very weird Joaquin Phoenix. Like you get to really sort of see just how weird he's going to be when he grows up. And you know, it's like a time and place. I don't know. It's it's a really good movie. It's a super rewatchable movie. It's like fun, even though it's heartbreaking. And I think his performance in it was amazing. And when you think about, you know, kind of people being known the best for their last performance, I would argue like it's Oliver and the Brood or kind of his other key sort of things that people know him for, which were from 1968 and 1979. So when you think yeah. about like a swan song, it's pretty dope. Yeah, he had a weird career. Super. He's weird. one of those guys. So I have I have this sort of these actors that I like. Uh, Jürgen Prochnow is another example. Sure. Uh, the, no, I'm serious. He was in Das Boot and a bunch of other. No, I know. Stuff. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. I immediately can see a parallel. <laughs> so I have a bunch of these actors where I always kind of scratch my head, like, why are they not in literally ten times as many things as they're actually in? Why do they f Murray Abraham? And I just watched the first episode, by the way, of Galaxy Quest last night. Oh yeah. Have you seen uh, not Galaxy Quest, um, Mythic Quest? Have you oh, seen? Oh, Mythic that? Quest. That is that is it? is that the that's the uh, no wait is that the it's the, always, it's the always sunny guy. So I have not no. seen Mythic Quest. I'm trying. I'm thinking of the one that Seth MacFarlane did. Oh, uh, I watched one episode of that. I have to watch the rest. I, I want to watch that too. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Anyhow, Mythic Quest was pretty good. But F. Murray Abraham's in it, and F. Murray Abraham's also in my list of. Why is this guy not in more stuff? Why right. won't Hollywood cast Brendan Fraser? Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's it. I'll read. That's all I got. All right. Well, I have a actor of, I would say, at least similar stature, if not maybe a little more, from the final movie in 2001. Okay. Which included Ed Norton and Angela Bassett. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'll say is uh, made him an irrefusable offer. An irrefusable off offer. What movie was Ed Norton and Angela Bassett in together? This one. Thanks, Jer. You got it. Super helpful. Um. I I don't know. Made him an irrefusable offer. An irrefusable off. I, I like literally. I'm just I, trying to condense words and offer. That was irrefusable. He couldn't. An offer in a gentleman. I don't, I don't know what this is. This Marlon Brando. Whose final movie is called The Score. The score. Son of a. Sure. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty good performance. It's it's a pretty good movie. It's not a great movie. Fine. Of the of this type of like sort of light heisty kind of movies, it's 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 middling. So, you yeah, know, maybe it's, it's an above average. Yeah. It's a I, I don't have to see this too many more times. I get it. It's it's you know, it's got its own cleverness. But Brando's pretty good in it. And considering just a few years before he had done the island of Dr. Moreau which very well could have been his final role. I just almost wanted to put this in here. It's like, thank goodness Marlon Brando went out on at least a B-plus kind of movie. At least a something better than that movie. Yeah, for sure. Especially considering how weird that dude got in the latter 20 years of his life. Like 30 years, 30 years. Yeah, I was going to say, from all accounts, he was weird for a while. <laughs> yeah, he, he got a little kooky. Apparently, by the way, I don't know if you know this, he made more money for his like four minutes being Kal-El in Superman than anyone else in Superman. That's crazy. They just threw money at him like, please be in Superman. So crazy, dude. Yeah. Good for Brando. So, yeah, look, there's not much to talk about the score. He plays like this, you know, aging fixer kind of character. De Niro's good in it, too. I like it because it takes place in Montreal. So, you know, I got the little Homeland stuff going on. Sure. But again, it's sort of if you have to look at like his last 30 years, you've got this before this, you got the freshman, which we've talked about a couple of times where I would say actually that's his final, that's his last best role. Like the, the best last best role. Yeah. Yep. 
And, and then before that, you've basically got Superman. And before that, you've got the Godfather. So, yeah. you know, an interesting way to, an interesting final 30 years of film, film work. Um, if you haven't seen the score, it's a fun little heist caperish kind of movie. But I would say the heist with Gene Hackman and, and Delroy Lindo is a very equivalent kind of movie, but a little better. A better. Yeah. 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 Agreed. All right. Let's Pong away. All right, let's get into Pong. So I'm going to do the one that I wanted to put over Paul Walker. I'm just going to start okay. with this one. I'm, I don't want to necessarily talk about it a ton. So the movie, oh, God, this movie is genuinely so bad. But uh, whatever, it's fine. Uh, movie came out in 2002. And I will tell you that for the actress, so that's a good hint, uh, one name pop superstar. Brittany Murphy. No, but I tried to use her, but she was another one. No, so this is Aaliyah. So, uh, oh. oh, okay. I thought you were, because what I thought you were doing, her role was, wasn't her character Cher? No, Cher was, oh. uh, Cher was Alicia Silverstone, but that's very funny. Uh. You gave me too much credit, and <laughs> you just gave me far too much credit in giving you good clues. No, so this is Aaliyah, and she was in Queen of the Damned, Ooh. and Queen mm. of the Damned was horrible. Mm. It was wow. horrible. But, but Aaliyah, aside from being musically so interesting and genuinely one of the real bummers of my generation when it comes to like, like performers, like musical performers, um, she was in a couple of other bad movies, but she was always pretty good. And like, I was like, oh, she can act. Like she was in Romeo Must Die. And I'm like, she can act. She can act. This is a bad movie, but she's pretty good. And then she did Queen of the Damned, and I'm like, I don't care. There is no acting out of this movie. This is an atrocity. It's so, 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 so bad. And so I basically just wanted to have a love letter to Aaliyah because I absolutely adore her. But whew, Queen of the Damned was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm scowling right now because I think this is. I think I think you're cheating too much just to, just to get an Aaliyah shout out. And I respect the desire to give the Aaliyah shout out. But that movie so is too so bad. True. And if our thing is the last performance, then because no, I'm, I'm I am unhappy with this selection, JT. I respect what you're trying to do. Yeah. But but if there was a gong or some kind of noise making thing I could do, here I'm going to rattle my icebreakers. That's right. my way of saying no good, JT. No All right, good. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I have this list in no particular order of my pongs, but they're fun. So. This movie's from 2014. Fake talk show host Hydra. Oh, fake talk show host. I don't know. Uh, Gary Shandling, whose final performance was in Captain America: Winter Soldier, which was a good movie. Oh, it was a great and movie. That's a really good one. I forgot that he was the uh, the senator, senator guy. Yeah. Oh, I love Gary. That's a good pick. Gary Shandling was on this list of actors who I hoped final performances was good enough for me to count, even if that final role was a little small. Like, look, Shandling's never was never going to be a guy to carry a movie, right. but that's okay, right? Yeah. But yeah, poor one out for Gary. Uh, I absolutely adore that man as a comedian. Uh, did you ever see? Did you ever see his first series? Yes, it's, it's the Gary Shandling show. This, yes. Or this is the theme. How's that? You remember that? Like, this is the theme to Gary's show. You know, it, it's like fully tongue in cheek. Yeah, he's he was yeah. a very special brain, and he got unlike Brando, he got significantly cooler as he got older. Like he Truth. got into Buddhism and all sorts of cool stuff. Like he's a really neat dude. Like he was a neat yeah. dude. Yeah. All right, so this is the one that I cannot believe you didn't have. So December of 2014, uh, I like almost feel like that's enough. Is that not uh, enough? I got I, nothing left from 2014. So wait, what year did you say? 2014. So this is oh, no, was- not orienting you on the care on the person's name now because that wouldn't be. I'm just trying to get you to get the the name of the movie. Uh, bad guy. War, number, small people. That's six words, but you'll be all right. Oh, you're doing, you're doing, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing The Hobbit. You're doing, was it, was it Chris, is Christopher Lee? Christopher Lee's genuine last performance was The Hobbit, which again, not great. Like The Hobbit's not great. 
Never saw it. Oh, wow. You really committed to this is not a thing I want to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to watch them this year with my, with my kids because now they like Lord of the Rings. And from everything I've heard, if you don't really know the story of The Hobbit, the movies are fun. Yeah. Well, I can get, I'll give you mine. My view of this was tainted by some friends of mine who, like you, are very into the books. And so the first time when I saw the original Hobbit, a friend of mine was like, oh, God, that was terrible. I was like, it was? Like, I was like, that's fun. I thought that was a good time. It was fine. Like, I'm not dying to watch it again. It's a lot of hours to put in. But like, I was like, that's good. I had a fine fine time. Christopher Lee is just a great actor. And again, whether you like the story or not, it's epic. It's filmed beautifully. And he's incredible. Uh, Yeah, it's one of these, like, I keep wanting to watch it. And I just, I have to, sort of like how you suggested I rewatch The Hitchhikers. And I went into it with a mindset of, this isn't the book. It's a movie. It's just a fun sci-fi movie. Right. And enjoyed it. So I'll get there with these. Maybe I'll watch them over break. There you go. All right. So in uh, was he a co-star of this person? No, but they were in No, they weren't a co-star. Never mind. 2017 once used flamethrower on ex-boyfriend. In a movie. I mean, uh, sorry. I, I assumed in, I assumed in, it wasn't not, a, not, in, in, not IRL. <laughs> didn't assume this was some one of Elon Musk's friends. Um I don't know. So Carrie Fisher from episode eight, which Mm. I think I still maintain if you remove the casino planet sequence is otherwise a very, very good movie in a very flawed um, series, but a good individual movie. Yeah, I agree. Also, Carrie Fisher is great. Carrie Fisher. Yep. Next one. So this is November of 2015. It's a 65. This is back to giving you uh, like, Clues about the name of the person. Screwdriver type. Upstate New York car wash. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure the first word is Philip. Is this Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. Because I know you love him, and I know his last movie was nothing to talk about. Well, here's the thing. So he was in Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. And right. he – so I, I actually read the Hunger Games because everybody did. It, that was my age at that time for some reason. Uh, and I thought they were fine. Like I, again, as you just kind of mentioned, I'm very good at divorcing my expectation from book to movie. Like it's just a thing I've always, I blame the Indian in the cupboard, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Seymour Hoffman is, I think the best general, like the best actor of my generation. I don't think it's close. I, there is a part of me. The reason he's not in the top five is because it is painful to me that this is the last thing we got to see him in because it's so not on brand for him to do big movie right. franchisey thing. Like Savages he he did, which I think was one of his last couple, was like painful. Like it was so good. And he was so good. He's really good in this too. Like he's a shining light in this, even though he has a small role, because he yeah. is intense and he's clearly taking it seriously and he's kind of doing really interesting acty stuff when there's some other sort of like random teenage movie stuff happening around him. Uh, so I am I picked him in Pong anyway because it's like, I'm glad he got to still be himself on his way out. Fair enough. 1995. Realized those are not pillows. Is this John Candy? It is. In Canadian Bacon? I'm, in Canadian Bacon, which... Uh, is not great, but no, it's it's, it's definitely um, it's definitely a watchable movie. I will say that. I, so I have this in my pong, so you can go again. This was my next pong entry because I similarly I wish John Candy had done something a little bit cooler, but also it's totally watchable, and he got to be John Candy in this movie, and for that he gets the, he gets the nod. Exactly. Uh, of a similar note, actually, this is more similar to an earlier pick I made, nineteen eighty six. And I don't really, I couldn't figure out any because I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this, or maybe, maybe you have once one of those. Comedian who yelled a lot. Sam Kinison? Yes, in Back to School. He played one of the professors. It's his only movie. I had no idea he was in any movies ever, but that's a great, as, a, as a, you know, I love comedy. I'll get Sam Kinison from Yells a Lot in the 80s. <laughs> 
yeah. And and he's Sam Kinison, but actually with a little bit, little splash acting around that. Oh, so, cool. Good for him. Just a you know, a splash, not uh, not a full full role, but you know, more than just yelling. Got it. Uh, so this is I'm ch- totally cheating here. But no, like entirely cheating. Not not in, not in the vein of the list, but in the vein of our our sort of unwritten rules. So December of 2020, and I'll give you <laughs> Chadwick Boseman in a movie. I don't think you saw. That's right. That's right. Okay. So I I, I put this on my list. Me neither. <laughs> so I put. So this is Chadwick Boseman in Miss Rainey's Black Bottom. I put this on my list at the beginning of the week because I had every intention of watching it this week. I was like, oh, this will be great. And to be honest, I had done – I've talked about Gladiator before, so I wanted to either move Oliver Reed or Paul Walker out of my top five. And I was like, I'm sure okay. Chadwick will do that because I didn't see him in anything ever he wasn't brilliant in. And I just didn't get to it. And so I'm, I'm just doing a nod here because I presume he's really good. <laughs> Funniest enough is I had a, I think JT is going to pick Chadwick Boseman, whether or not he's seen that last movie of his. <laughs> yeah. And I went and looked at it and I realized I also didn't see The Five Bloods and there was one other between Endgame. I had not seen any of his last three and that was enough for me to be like, all right, I can't cheat my way into that. So I saw Five Bloods and he's amazing. Like he's... He's just a very good at like he didn't do anything poorly. So right. I'm just going to assume he's probably great in this too. 1980. Okay. In the pick that's just going to make me smile for a little while because I've had this one also on the list from the very beginning, even though asterisk great dancer in campy fantasy. Great dancer in camp. What, what year is this? 1980. Uh huh. Oh boy. They passed away a long time ago. I don't know. It's one of my movies, JT. One of your movies? Me. Like, not just my generation. No, like a Jeremy movie. Yeah. Well, Fletch Fletch was 82, right? No, 86. Oh, okay. I don't know. (laughs) The movie is Xanadu. The actor actor in question is Sir Gene Kelly. His final performance is Xanadu. Xanadu. And in this case, however, however mediocre that movie is, He's great in it. He he is straight up full on Gene Kelly. Whatever you've if you've ever seen Gene Kelly, American Paris, whatever it might be, he's actually just as fun in Xanadu. Unfortunately, he's surrounded by so much schlock that it's you know Xanadu. That it's Xanadu. But I stand by it. Remember that list I sent you of like the top twenty worst movies you sort of have to watch. Yeah. Yeah, Xanadu, buddy. Xanadu. Uh, and he's part of the reason. I mean, you said that in our episode when you described Xanadu to me with roller skates. <laughs> All right, so this is my last one. Uh, May of 1989, have a catch, Dad. Oh, this is Burt Lancaster in uh, Field of Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, right, right. Incredible career, a good way to go out. For sure, for sure. I'm already at my Fast Five, though, so I sort of think you cheated, but I'm okay with it. My last ones, I actually only have four left to go. So I got Jason Robards in Magnolia. Okay. Uh, he was actually quite good in it, but I don't like the movie. John Belushi in Neighbors, which is one of those like asterisk picks, but you know, it's he's good enough and Neighbors is good enough to count. Fair. Richard Harris as Dumbledore in Harry Potter of the Two. That's a good one. And that's what they call it, right? Harry Potter of the Two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Harry Potterer. Uh, <laughs> and then I didn't feel the role was strong enough compared to Richard Dawson in The Running Man. But I do think that Bob Barker in Happy Gilmore had a nice little turn there. You know, it's funny. I had written him down and I was like, eh, it's more can- it's too cameo, not enough movie, but it's really good. It's a fun pick. Do you have anything left uh, to pull from? No, because you had, you had used some of mine, so I'm good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that was successful. We we are very grateful and thankful for all of these people that have left us with wonder, wonderful memories. We are also very thankful and grateful for you, which is why next week it's the rebuttal episode, Jer. Uh-oh. They're going to tell us what we did wrong? Yep. So if you are listening and you want to be on the episode, we, we have quite a few people. We've got a, a slate of almost 10 of people who have already told us that they're mad and they're not going to take it anymore. So we're going to we're going to let them air the grievances 
during the Lo-Fi Top 5 rebuttal episode. But if you've got one and, and you're mad at us, you can either tweet or you can Instagram or, hey, listen, shoot us an email and tell us and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll let you on, on the old podcast there. I mean, we're, you know, we're open for the holidays. Yeah. And, and look, if you just want to like have us do a quick read of a thing you, you think, and I will give it a read too. So drop us a, drop us an e-twit and we'll take care of it. <laughs> Send us a hip chat on the old hotmail and we'll, uh, we'll put it up on the fax machine. We can just glyph it to us, you know, just glyph it to us. We'll see you next week on the lo-fi top five. <laughs>